Hey, what's up, podcast? It's Chris here, and you are listening to a special bonus episode of Teach Better Talk. In this episode, we grab the audio from a recent bi-weekly check-in Ray Hewitt had with our Teach Better fam. Ray is the director of training and development for the Teach Better team, and every other Sunday, she holds a bi-weekly check-in where our guests can join to ask questions, discuss situations and solutions, and any tips and tricks that might help us all out. We really, really hope you guys join us in the future. You can find us on Twitter, Facebook, Periscope, Instagram Live, and all the other platforms when Ray holds these every other Sunday. But for now, listen to this episode and enjoy. It's Ray from the Teach Better team, and we're being all fancy tonight. We're going really above and beyond because we have Instagram Live here, which is where we'll be taking questions from our amazing Instagram family. And then we also are live here on Facebook, our Facebook group. We're live on YouTube. We're live on Twitter. We're just kind of all over. And the benefit of being able to do that is honestly just to continue to reach the Teach Better family. The Teach Better family is located all over the place. And sometimes I feel badly that we like kind of favor certain platforms. So we go live and we take questions. So we were like, hey, let's try something new. Let's switch it up. I was going live by myself this afternoon uh, for our biweekly family check-in, which we do every other Sunday. I'll talk a little bit about that in a second. But so we're trying something where we're also going live on Instagram. So feel free to post your questions there. Or if you're watching on Facebook, Twitter, YouTube or anything else in between, you're live with us here. So this will be fun. Hey, Nikki, I'm seeing that you're already commenting here. That's awesome. That's the only negative, guys. If you're watching here on Instagram, we love you, but you won't be able to see the comments the same way versus if you pop over to like Facebook, Facebook group, YouTube, Twitter, like the comments like come up on the screen so you can see them. So just keep that in mind. Anywho, uh, so great to see everyone. Hey, Livia, Kat, so glad you're here. Uh, for those of you who may not know me, uh, my name is Ray Hewart. I'm currently the director of training and development for the Teach Better team, as well as a full-time sixth grade math teacher. So um, I am excited to not only be here for our bi-weekly family check-in, but also take your questions because I've actually been seeing a lot of questions come in, whether it be through like private direct messages or in our private Facebook group or um, things like that. So I think this is a really fun environment to like, start the week off strong, right? Um, this will be good. And I'm moving from remote to hybrid this week. So I have a lot that I can share and you know how this works, guys. It can change in a heartbeat and that's okay too. So we're just gonna keep problem solving. But I do wanna say hi to so many of you here. Brie, I'm so glad you're commenting. Brianna, I miss you. I haven't seen you in forever. Danielle's here, Mark's here. Holy cow, this is so wonderful. Looks like Carrie's here on Instagram. Perfect. It's so fun. All right. So here's the deal. Oh my gosh. There's so many people. Hi guys. Good to see you. So here's the deal. Friends, uh, bi-weekly family check-in. If this is your first time joining, this is about as simple and low key as it gets. We go live every other Sunday because we just like to be accessible and take questions and try new things. And uh, we've been doing this for well over a year, like well over, I even like dare to say two years. We just go live every other Sunday. We usually go live only in our private Facebook group, but it just felt like a day we wanted to go everywhere. So we're going live all over the place on Instagram and YouTube and Twitter and Facebook. And if you're not following us all those places, come join us, um, go follow the Teach Better team. Uh, but we just take questions. So this is completely informal. We are happy to talk on anything you guys have questions on. Um, sometimes it's just me. Sometimes it's another member of the team. Sometimes there's a few of us. For tonight, you just get me for our biweekly family check-in. But like I said, if you um, have questions, you want to throw them here, wonderful. And then put this on your calendar. We do this every other Sunday. So just a time to come together, kind of get the energy, the right tone for the week coming up and discuss hurdles. Maybe we can brainstorm a solution for something that you're still trying to figure out um, or share some tips and tricks. I know there were already so many comments in our private group. I think that's probably where we'll start our questions if you guys don't have any that you're typing in in the comments, but figure we'll start here and we'll get started. So for those of you that are watching, do not forget 
If you're on Instagram, we're so glad you're here. We're kind of like dabbling with this for the first time. If you want to see kind of like all the comments and get the full experience, I challenge you all to go watch on Facebook or Twitter or YouTube because then you'll be able to see all the comments and all the people interacting. But we're glad you're here. If this is your platform, stay with us. Okay. So, uh, oh my gosh, look at all these fun friends. Natalie's here. Natalie, it's been forever since I've seen you. I'm so glad you're here. And uh, good, Danielle's already kicking us off with some fun comments. She says, Ray, last week I had teacher conferences for the first time in 15 years where not a single parent yelled at me. Isn't that a lovely feeling, Danielle? I have to personally thank you for giving me the confidence to reach out to parents in a different manner this year. Danielle, I do not get credit for that. That is all you, girl. I'm so proud of you that you feel like this year has been successful, even though we've all had so many hurdles in our way. Danielle, I'm guessing that the feeling of like, oh my gosh, the parents didn't yell at me. I probably think that that's a combination of a few different things you've probably been doing. One is you're trying new things, which is always scary, but really it shows the parents that you care when you're diving into something and trying something new. And throughout that time, communicating effectively with them. So if you're trying something new, sending out you know weekly updates, or I talk all the time about my video emails, guys, I know this is something I always get on my soapbox about, but it makes a huge impact when parents can see your face and see hear your tone. And so regardless of what you're doing, Danielle, I'd love to have you comment in, um, in here as well and tell us what are some things you put in place that you feel like really helped with this. But yeah, I always love when I have parent-teacher conferences, my favorite comment is when they come up and they're like, oh, Miss Hewitt, we already know you. We we feel like you talk to us all the time because I'm sending them like video emails or updates and they're like, yeah, we know you, Miss Hewitt. We know if we have questions, we'll reach out. We don't really have anything. You're doing a great job. Like it's just kind of like easy breezy. Of course, if they have questions, I would want them to ask the parent-teacher conferences, but it is always kind of fun when they feel like we've built a relationship strong enough. We feel like there's enough communication going on that when it gets to parent-teacher conferences, they're kind of like, hey, Miss Stewart, good to see you in person or virtually, whatever, depending on how you did it, Danielle. Um, that's super fun. I know uh, we have comments here saying, um, thoughts on sharing um, assigned assignments with due dates with parents. Oh, good, so they're talking about like the suggested calendar. I think that suggested calendar is another avenue of uh, parent communication, right? So for those of you who use the grid method, um, there's a lot of different classroom management pieces of the grid method. Some of us, I know some of you even in here, use classroom management strategies, but don't like necessarily implement the full grid method. But um, the suggested calendar is kind of like as black and white as you can be, as transparent as humanly possible to be able to say, this is our entire unit. This is what day-to-day -day looks like. And here's how everything's going to build and kind of come together and wrap itself in a pretty bow. So I'm glad that that's been helpful. I'm glad your parents feel supported. I think that's always a wonderful feeling. So I'm so glad. Um, oh my gosh, there's so many comments. I'm sorry, I lost my spot already. Uh, Brian's kicking off with a question. She, uh, Brian says, here's a question. I love that you started it that way. Thank you. That always helps me like, okay, I got to click on this one. There's a question. Oh, and I see Brad, by the way. Hi, Brad. Good to see you. Brian's saying, here's a question. I have an A and B day students. I wanna teach them all at the same time to bring everyone together. What, are, what suggestions do you have in accomplishing this effectively? Is Google Meet or Schoology conferences the best way or is there something I don't know about? Brian, you brought up such a good topic that I wanna talk about, so I'm glad that you, got, uh, you kicked us off this way. So let's dive into this a little bit. So for those of you who don't know, Brian, we have a similar situation. Uh, I am starting class with students tomorrow. We're starting a hybrid model. I'll have A and B day students. Um, I could go more into that, but essentially like it sounds very similar where I'll have half my students one day and half my students on the other. And I do wanna make sure that my community not only stays intact, where students feel like they're always a part of our learning environment, but I also, with the content and the way I teach, it doesn't make sense to do like the same lesson A day and then the same lesson again for B day. It's gonna get so confusing and it's unnecessary with how I run my classroom. So I wanna dive into a few things here, Brian. Um, I'm gonna give you the suggestion of what I'm doing and then I would love to hear your specific feedback, questions, elements like that that we can like personalize for you. So 
think through this and then please type in those comments, whether you're on your phone or your computer, uh, and let's continue this conversation. So for me personally, um, I'm going to have all of my students come together on some sort of streaming device, Monday, Tuesday, Thursday, Friday, because Wednesday for us is a weird schedule and I could get into that at some other time. The point is, is that whether you're physically in my room or if you're at home, you are popping into our class at the beginning of class. Now, I am doing this whether you're physically in the classroom or at home, and I'm viewing this really in an environment of saying, I know that twice a week, I can control your learning environment because twice a week when you're in my classroom, I know that you're in a safe, quiet, uh, you know, supported learning environment. And if you also have that at home, well, that's awesome. Like, please tell your parents I love them. Like, that's wonderful. But I know for the time that you're in my classroom, I can control your learning environment. Beyond that, I'm not really changing anything up because at any moment, a hybrid student could become remote or vice versa. So what are the expectation is, is kind of the same expectation I've been having for all of my remote learners, even though we're transitioning to hybrid. We're popping onto a streaming device, whether that be Zoom or Google Meets. There's so many out there, WebEx. Like for me, I have to use Google Meets, so it wasn't really an option. They're all popping on together. If you're physically in my classroom, you are popping on. Like you're gonna have your laptop out, you're gonna put your headphones in, and you're gonna mute yourself, and you are going to be like in the call, even though you're in my classroom, okay? Um, if you're at home, you're doing the same thing. You're getting on the call, and we're all starting together. Now, I will either be teaching, and if you're in my class, you can kind of like put down your laptop a little bit and look at me and still watch me like right in front of you. Or if you're at home, you can look on your screen and watch me right in front of you. And we're going to start with our normal like six to eight minute kind of goofing off, right? We like do a little like funny relationship building stuff. It's like six to eight minutes of like welcoming students in, saying hi, creating that like learning environment, kind of setting the tone for the day. And then I always go through the checklist of what my students' expectations are. And actually, we're going to be writing those together, both in a hybrid setting and in a remote setting, where they're going to not only be able to see the checklist for the day, but also they can like write it down to keep themselves organized. That's just another organizational strategy. And assuming that they don't need a conference, assuming that they know what they're doing for the day, they have access to all their tools and materials, then they are going to leave the Google Meet and they're just going to go work. And then that Google Meet is open the entire class hour. So if they need a conference, if they have a question, that Google Meet is staying up and they are just going to like pop in, pop out constantly while updating their tracking page. I use the grid method, mastery framework. I could dive into that more if you needed me to. But essentially, that's how my classroom has been operating in a remote setting. Students have the 47-minute class hour but they pop in and out and they kind of just follow their checklist every day. If I go over a mini lesson, sometimes I do that in the live video, but usually because of technology, I have a lot of those pre-recorded. So a lot of the time that we're popping on is truly setting expectations, having announcements, going through the checklist, making sure we're all comfortable. And then if they're physically in my room, great. I'm, I'm giving them a very safe and comfy learning environment but they're still gonna conference via Google Meet. They're still gonna be doing all these things and I'm still gonna be in the room and there are benefits of like us being, you know, close in terms of like me being able to call across the room and like, you know, interact with students a little bit differently. But I don't, I want my remote learners to be constantly involved because Brian, you didn't mention this, but for me, I have AB students, but I also have 100% remote students and I'm in charge of all of those at all times. So I've decided that Regardless of your learning environment, we can still interact, be happy, and be successful as a unified community. So Brian, I just talked about this for a while, and I'm super sorry. I'm sure you have more questions. I'm going to scroll through these comments because they are coming in, but I um, wanted to make sure I kind of gave you that context first. And I'd love to hear kind of what questions come up, what things you feel like are still a struggle. Um, the only thing I didn't really address was what platform to use. And my answer for that, Brian, is really based on your school district and your comfortability level. Um, I will get to these comments in a second, but truly just based on those alone, um, anytime you're trying something new in your classroom, like try something new, really dive in, right? Like go crazy, but then also like keep some of the areas comfortable. 
So for example, you brought up Schoology in your comment. Like if Schoology is a platform you're comfortable with, then change something else and keep Schoology for now. And then later on, as you try that new thing, if it's successful, if you decide you want to stray away from Schoology, maybe cool, go try it. But um, there's no reason to like uproot everything, like little bits at a time, right? We have this mindset of like better today than you were yesterday, better tomorrow than you were today. Like that mindset doesn't mean that you have to eat the entire cheeseburger in one bite, but you can take a few little bites and still meet your end goal, right? Okay, so, all right, so many comments. I'm so glad you're all here. Love the hashtag Team Ray, by the way. I don't know if you guys have your shirts in the Teach Better swag store, but you should go get a Team Ray shirt. Um, I know there's more comments, more questions. Please keep throwing them in here. Instagram, I'm doing a super bad job watching your questions. I'm super sorry. But again, if you're watching over on Instagram, pop over to Twitter, YouTube, or Facebook. We really are all interacting here. We're showing the comments on the screen, so it's easier to know kind of what we're talking on. But I'm super glad you're popping on because we're trying something new. All right. So uh, another comment here says, Ray, I'm the one who asked about the Apple Pencil and videos. Can't wait to hear your thoughts. Yes, let's dive into this. So I had your comment. Sorry, I'm pulling up my iPad. I, have, I literally have it out because you had tagged me in this comment. And I want to, oh, oh, hold on. I'm going to get there. Hold up. Somebody wonderful. I really wanted to like talk to you by name, but I have to pull it up on my phone. I apologize. And your name didn't come up in the comments just because Facebook's weird. All right, I'll get there in a second. Here's what I want you to know. I have used the iPad and the iPencil for a very short amount of time, and I've honestly learned most of the uses for this um, because of this group. So I first off wanna encourage all of you that if you are um, wanting ideas, like please do like you did earlier and um, like post it in our private group or share it on Twitter, or share it on Instagram, like get your network's voice involved in your problem solving. That's a really, really great strategy because even if we don't know the answer, we might be able to like tag somebody who knows the answer or direct you to somebody. So that's always helpful. I'm gonna try this one more time to pull this up and then I'm gonna give up because I did wanna show you because I really looked into this but it doesn't look like it's gonna load for me. All right, here's what I do just so you know. So I have something on my um, iPad called Notability. If somebody could put that in the comments, N-O-T-A-B-I-L-I-T-I, -I -I, Notability. I am not somebody who probably uses this to the best of my ability, but honestly what it is, it's just a white screen. And there's a marker, there's a pencil, there's an eraser, there's a cutting feature. And so like, there's a lot of functions I can do on this. So there's a few things I use this for that I wanted to mention to you. One is if I'm doing a Google Meet or a Zoom call or whatever, I can actually join the call on this iPad as well as being logged in on my computer or on my phone, depending on what technology you're using. And I can share my iPad screen. So I can't do that for you now because we're on StreamYard, it's a little different. But when I like write on it, they can see that in the Google Meet. So that's another thing that I've just enjoyed with the Apple tool. I'm confident there's like 15 ways to do this. But what I like about Notability is it's just super simple. It has like everything I could possibly imagine and it's very easy to use. So that's one thing I've really enjoyed. You did ask though specifically in your comment about taking or like taking notes, recording videos. So there are two things I'm doing for that. One is notability where I'm going to, if you like swipe down, you can record your screen. Remember, I think if you guys were a part of this, I like shared on a live one time. I'm like, guys, I had no idea you could do this. And I'm pretty sure it was Danielle like, Ray, we've been doing that for years. I'm like, sorry, I'm not cool enough. But you can record your screen on your iPad, on your phone, on any like Apple device. Um, so I just click record. Check that the microphone's on, by the way. If you want it on, make sure it's on versus recording the whole five minute video and realizing your mic wasn't on. Um, and then I just write and it doesn't show my face. It's only the screen that's recording. So depending on the type of lesson you're doing, uh, that might be conducive for what you're looking for. And then it automatically saves to your photos. It's really easy. Um, so that's one thing. The other thing I do, which I know sounds crazy, guys, but um, there are so many times that I really would like to write on, like, for example, like I do Google, um, Google Slides is the packets I use. And my struggle is, is that I like make these cute packets. But when I do notes for students, I do like three to five minutes 
of like a lesson that we're, that I want my students writing in their packet for, I really want to like write on the same packet image that they're looking at. And so the easiest solution I found for this, and you guys are going to laugh because you're probably going to tell me there's 15 other smarter ways, is I take a screenshot. Let me see if I can find this. I take a screenshot of what I want. So let me do that really quick. So I have like my Google Drive open. I have um, a multiplication chart. I take a screenshot of it. Nope. I don't know how to take a screenshot. Let me try that one more time. Screenshot. Yep. Okay. I take a screenshot of it. And then either when you take the screenshot or if you go into photos and go to edit, you just go to markup, like you can mark up a photo. So I'm literally going to record my screen just marking up the photo. And I just did this for students for multiplication charts. But so I can like highlight and draw all over this and whatever, and then just press record on my screen. And when I'm done, I finish recording and I can either save what I've done or, you know, put the photo back to how it was. But those are two easy features that I just felt like as somebody who was not, like not had any Apple training, no iPad support, which I'm sure so many of you do. And I cannot wait for you to give her 15 more ideas that I am not using. These were very easy features that I already was comfortable using relatively like on my phone and like super simple. Um, and then I'm excited to see what everyone else shares. So hopefully that gives you like food for thought. Those were the two questions, by the way, that I really want to make sure we talked on today. So, hey, we're 20 minutes in. We already talked on the the two big points that I had specifically of those of you who are tagging me and questions and wanting things answered. So more to come, but let's keep going. Um, all right. Another question. Oh, this is Danielle. So she's talking about uh, she was the one who commented about the parent teacher conferences. She says, first, I've implemented the grid method for the first time. So she says she attended the both the grid and the introduction grid uh, workshop over the summer for the webinar. So that's super awesome. That was like two months of instruction, by the way. That's killer. Second, really uh, focused on setting expectations and objectives every time class met. Good. The reputation. Uh, good. So like repetition until students were sick of it. And third, a lot of instructional videos. So Danielle, that's super key when you're talking about having successful parent-teacher conferences. You've implemented three key things that allow parents to feel more comfortable, right? Like our parents are just human beings. They just want to know that we care about them and we're supporting them and we're on we're an advocate for their child. So when you implement a mastery framework that is like data supported to personalize your student's success, that's automatically a positive. When you're talking about like setting expectations, that's being like very transparent and clear and helping your students make sure there's no confusion. That's a huge positive. And then instructional videos is just an opportunity for your students to go back and not necessarily have to consume the information only the one time you said it, but to be able to like go back, revisit, pause, fast forward, rewind. That's a huge skill. I'm so glad that that was, that's going well for you. Um, Brian says, we are getting ready for our second unit. What is the best practices for working with students that have not yet met the standard on the previous unit while also working on the current grid? It's a really, really, really interesting question, Brian. That's a hard one. Now, I don't have an easy answer for you, but I'm going to like give you a little, little bit to think about. So, so here's the deal. First off, in my class, when we use a unit grid, when there's a unit going on, we start a unit together and we end a unit together and then we start the next one together. And so regardless of where the student gets in the grid, whether they're still working on scaffolding towards mastery or they meet mastery of the standard expectation or they get to enrichment, we start the grid together, we end the grid together, we start a new grid together. It gets like set everybody on the same playing field. So when you say um, like getting students the information, I really find some, I don't know how to phrase this, right, some like calming effect of the grid. Because when I used to teach before without a mastery framework, I'd work and work and work and work and work and work and work to get the student to understand the information so they could take the test, right? And then they take the test, they wouldn't do well, and I'd be like, ugh. So what a waste of time. What are we going to do, right? So then you're talking about like retakes, but then you're starting new units, super stressful. For me, when it comes to the grid, the grid is set up. I know you know this, Brian, but for those of you who don't, 
But the grid is set up using um, like scaffolding using web's depth of knowledge. And your standard falls somewhere within your grid. And then anything above the standards enrichment, anything below the standard is scaffolding towards mastery, right? So even if your student, let's say the let's say that this standard you're working on is written at like a DOK level three. Even if the student only reaches like level one and level two, they've still shown mastery on like major concrete topics that they would need to even begin to start meeting the standard expectation. So when I have students, which happens, it totally happens where students don't get all the way to the perfect point of the grid to be able to take the final assessment, I've adopted the mentality that they still take the final assessment, whatever the assessment is, I'm speaking in such general terms, might be a test or a project or whatever. Um, but I do, like at the last day of the grid, I do evaluate if the student has met the standard. Um, and you, again, depending on the subject and depending on the type of teacher you are, that happens like a hundred different ways. But in my mind, I'm still at the end of the unit saying, I want to know what you know. And then if they didn't get all the way to the perfect spot where I really wanted them to be before I asked them the, the questions, the mastery questions of, do they understand the information? They still have mastered so many important topics that I find that students still do relatively well. And so is it perfect? No, absolutely not. But like I can so easily look back and say, yes, have you met the, the standard expectation on this on this unit? Maybe not. Maybe this was a really tough one. But have you grown from your pretest? A million times yes. So I think there's some grace that we need to give ourselves there that, yes, we do want them to get all the way to that perfect point in the grid before you give them that final assessment, but also like them taking their time and that you giving them permission to have time to master the information and get as far as they got and have those moments of success and focusing on just the areas of growth that they need in that moment, like that is a huge celebration for the student. So, 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 so valuable. The other thing to consider is that even though you're all moving to a new grid together, that doesn't mean that like all the tools and resources for my grid like go away. Like I still give, my students always have access to all the information from the year, meaning that even when it like comes back around during the year, rather than reviewing it again, I link back to experiences we've had to go look at things. So like silly example, um, a silly example is uh, we're going over like geometry and we're using fractions, let's pretend, and we're like multiplying or engaging with fractions. We have an entire fractions unit. So I'm gonna like refer students back to the grid on fractions if they need to refresh their memory on that skill. So while your students may all be moving forward, you being able to give students access to that information so they can be successful if they so choose, or if you set up a process or a system with them, is an awesome option for any student. And the timeline might be different depending on the student that you're working with. So just a few things to consider. I do want to get to the rest of these comments. I know I've been live for 27 minutes so far. Instagram, I won't lie to you, my phone battery is dying, so I am going to pause us here. But if you're watching on Instagram, pop over to Facebook or Twitter or catch it, this video over on uh, the Teach Better Teams YouTube and you can see kind of all the details, but thanks for joining us here for the first time. Not the first time, but for like a rarity that we went live for our bi-weekly family check-in on Instagram. So I'm gonna end this here. Thank you, thank you. And now, victory. All right, Facebook, you still with us? YouTube, Twitter. All right, here we go. Uh, next comment says, uh, oh, good. This was from Brian, who's talking about like the AB schedule uh, way earlier. It was one of our first questions. Brian says, that's what I was planning to do. Also, I'll make in-person students log in as well as virtual students. So it's good to know that we're on the same page. Yes, I love when my crazy ideas also happen with other educators I respect. Good, good, good. Um, Brian says, I was trying to have uh, the at-home students completing work at home, but the work was not being completed. So I wanted to have up on that accountability. And Brian, I think that's really, it's really a good point when you're talking about accountability and things like that. We cannot control our students' home lives. And so being able to have some fluidity in your students' learning opportunities, like for instance, like a self-paced, you know, framework or something along those lines, whether it be an entire unit self-paced or week by week self-paced, those are so essential for our students to be successful. 
However, if you know that a lot of your students may not be successful at home purely because they don't feel accountable or they're struggling being organized, then you starting the class with them, setting the tone, helping them figure out their checklist for the day is very appropriate as an educator. You'd be doing that regardless of the type of environment that they were in. So I think that's great. I'm excited. Please let me know how that goes because um, I want to make sure that as you're reflecting on this experience, I'm also going to be living it next week. So I really hope we can stay up to date on all of that. Uh, another person says, uh, this is so affirming for me. I'm so glad. It's, uh, it is much how I run things remotely in my art class. Wonderful. I was worrying I was not directly instructing for the full 50 minutes. No. Oh my gosh, guys, here's the problem. Like it, it's, it's so hard. Like it makes no sense to talk at your students for 50 minutes, especially when we know our students learning environments are not conducive to, the, to that type of instruction and their brains are not conducive to that kind of instruction. And so when I have teachers that are like, oh, I really want to be live the whole time. I'm like, well, that's okay. Like be accessible, stay live. But if something's, I've been trying to find the right term for this. I feel like Livia, if you're watching, Livia, you like make things make sense sometimes for me. So help me with this. I have been using the phrase high stakes learning. I don't think that's the right way to phrase it. Livia or anyone here, I need like a phrase or a word. Let me explain what I mean. If I am giving uh, my students high stakes, I don't know how to phrase this, but like high stakes learning opportunity. And what I mean by that really is like, you are only going to get this information from me. That's what I mean by high stakes. Then, then it can't just be live because there's internet outages and loud siblings crying in the background and students like it, there's too many factors. And if they can only get the information from me, if they can only get the information, if I provide it, then it has to be pre it has to be recorded. It has to be pre-recorded because even if it's a direction, even if it's like, Hey guys, I am having, I, I'm going to be sick on Thursday. So you're not going to be live with me Thursday. Even if it's just something simple, right? Like a direction. If I say it out loud on a video call and I have three fourths of my students on there, but Timmy couldn't join because his brother was crying in the background and Samantha couldn't join because she was helping her, her younger daughter, her younger sister log on to a Zoom call and Becky slept in and blah, 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 blah then what, am I just like crossing my fingers that they get the information? Like it's too high stakes. So instead I'm taking this really important piece of information, I'm putting it in a pre-recorded video and I'm saying, hey, first thing on our checklist today after you log in and we set the tone and goof off, first thing on your to-do list today is to watch a Miss Hewart three second mini lesson video and it could be on directions. But that's really important so that it, you're giving all your students an even playing field for being successful as much as you human, like humanly can, not sitting next to them and like guiding them through. So anywho, I'm with you. I'm sorry I got out of the soapbox, but I'm so glad that your art class is going well. That's awesome. Um, oh, cool. Brian's talking about Nearpod. We love Nearpod over at Teach Better. Uh, Nearpod people are so good. And I love the program too, but like the people who work at Nearpod are also thought like fabulous. So um, I'm so glad that you're enjoying Nearpod as an engagement tool. That was one of the direct messages I got actually on Twitter that somebody wanted me to speak on was some ways that I'm engaging learners. And I think a way to engage learners is to go with like an app like Nearpod, like something to make your lessons more dynamic. And then it's also this idea of engagement is also just like real relevancy to students' lives. So if you can find these two different types of learning experiences, one where it's like dynamic and fun and engaging, like something like Nearpod or Pear Deck or something like that. And then also find like the purpose, the why in your instruction. I think that those together can so easily find, um, like engage all of your learners. Um, so just something to keep in mind. Um, I love that I'm seeing so many great comments. Oh my gosh, Nikki's helping us out good. Uh, Nikki saying that she uses Notability and records her screen literally means that my job is over. If Nikki says that I'm good and I gave a good suggestion of those tools, oh my God. Okay, I'm totally game. I'm so glad. 
Also, that gives me an idea of how far I am behind in these comments that we're just talking about notability where I am in these comments. So I'm so sorry, guys. It's hard to like talk and scroll and whatever, but it's good to see you all. So thank you for jumping on here. Um, perfect. So Natalie says it really works well when I share my screen through Google Meet. I totally agree. That's been a huge help for me. I'm going to keep doing it, to be honest. Uh, oh, perfect. And Kate even shared it. So top notch. Uh, Nikki says, realizing the mic was turned off when you scream retort is such a buzzkill. I know it drives me nuts. I feel like I have to check it three or four times before I actually record because I'm like, this has happened too many times where I'm like, oh, this is such a good lesson. I used the right colors. I had like these great examples that just came into mind while I was teaching. And then the mic was off and you're like, am I okay posting a two minute video with all these great ideas and no audio? No, I have to redo it. <laughs> totally been there. Um, oh, perfect. So Nikki's saying you can put your PDFs in Notability too. Okay, Nikki, here's my question though, because this could be different. But when I put a photo in Notability, I can't write on it. But you're saying maybe if I put a PDF in Notability, I can write on it. That would be helpful. Because that was a that was the first buzzkill I had. Oh my gosh. It was like, I, in my head, I was like, I know exactly what I'm doing for COVID. And then I went in to write on a picture in Notability and I'm like, bummer, not what I expected. <laughs> so just funny. Um, ooh, I use it, I explain everything. If I want to create different slides for my lessons, I love that. Um, perfect says, I forgot how to get my name to show up, but this is Rachel. Oh, Rachel, good to see you. I did the grid method last year and it was so amazing this year with all the unknowns. I honestly freaked and decided not to do the grid method. Now I'm totally regretting it. Do you think it's too late to implement our first trimester ends November 20th? Here's the deal, Rachel. It's never too late to try something new. Like I understand that there are benefits and I actually have said this before. So I'm like, I'm kind of going back on my word, but like I've said before, is it easier to do something at the beginning of the year and teach your students your expectations right off the bat? Yeah, of course. Like, sure. Yeah. But does it mean that you can't do it for the rest of the year, even though it's best for what your students need? No, don't be silly. If I were you, Rachel, um, and you're at, if you're actually thinking about like wanting to go back and do the grid method. My answer would be that you totally should. And by the way, you should text or call me because like I would love to help or anybody on the team would love to help. But on the flip side, my favorite thing to do is to be so transparent with students. I'd be like, hey guys, listen, there was this thing I used to do in my classroom that made everyone's life easier. And really, really, I saw so much success. And then COVID happened and I was like, uh-uh, not doing anything scary because you know what? The world's scary enough. And then we've gotten into our school year. I've gotten to know all of you and I'm realizing, guys, we're doing really well, but we could be doing better if I had made the decision to stick with what I knew I was already doing and I already loved. So I really wanna try this new thing and I want you to work with me to figure it out. And so I think that kind of avenue gives you the out to try something new, have it not go well and have your students not be victims of that but be partners in finding it be successful. Like for them to be problem solvers with you so that when something goofy goes wrong and you're like, oh my gosh, had I known, I would have whatever, their students can say, hey, have you thought about this? What if we tried it this way? Or hey, let me try something and maybe it'll work. Like that, it just gives you a different idea. So um, Danielle says, <laughs> No sound is a buzzkill. I use uh, PowerPoints, closed caption features. All right, there you go. I like that, that's good. Um, all right, guys, we've been live for 40 minutes. Please continue to feel free to throw your comments in here, but like, think about how uh, any last things you wanna throw in here. That way I wanna make sure we get to it, just so you know. Uh, Natalie says, how do you effectively pretest your students and find their starting point on a grid with so many kids on your roster? there's probably a right answer. But Natalie, I think my answer is probably the wrong answer. So we know each other. So I'm going to give you my answer. And you're just going to know, like, sometimes I say things that people don't agree with. And that's okay, right? All right, Natalie, let's talk about pretest. So I think that assessments, when uh, assessments in my mind are to confirm that the student understands something. 
So the only purpose of an assessment is to confirm that they get it, don't get it, and give them feedback and like go forward from there. So it's really hard to do that in some teachers' minds uh, with fidelity, I love that word, fidelity at home because they have access to tools and resources that maybe in the classroom you may not give them access to. For me, because of all these factors, I really don't care what resources they have access to. All I care about is can they explain their thinking? Can they go through their understanding with me? And the reality is, is that I cannot get that from a Google form or a paper test remotely, not because they're using some tool that I don't want them to use and uh, but really because I, I want to know what they know. And sometimes those tests don't tell me what they know. The best thing I can figure out what they know is by talking to my students. Because when I talk to them, I can tell you instantaneously, ah, you know this, you know this, this is an area of success, this is an area of growth, let's focus on that. So I have changed all my assessments, everything, formative, summative, and everything in between, to be conversation focused. So I still give my students, um, I still give my students the like test and I put it in a Google form or something and I still have them take it. But then when they come to the conference, I just use it as a jumping off point to ask questions. So they got every question right, then I want them to go through their thinking, explain processes and I'm gonna see like what they know. If they got every problem wrong, I'm gonna do the same thing because they could have gotten every problem quote unquote wrong for a reason that doesn't actually have to do with their understanding level. So it's been interesting, but for pretest specifically, I'm doing the exact same thing. So students are pretesting and they're taking a pretest and then they're just hopping on and telling me like, what in the world do you think of that pretest? And for a lot of students, they're like, I don't even know what the pretest said. I, I don't even know what this symbol means. And I'm like, oh my gosh, it's so exciting. Now we have so much to learn this unit. You're gonna be great, go start on your grid. Other students are like, yeah, this unit was on fractions. I know everything about fractions. I'm super good at this. And I'd be like, great, Can, do you know how to multiply fractions? And they'd be like, yeah, you multiply across. Da, da, da. So I'm doing it so much more focused on conversation, which I know, I acknowledge takes time. If you're going to evaluate your student's understanding based on conversation, you need to structure your classroom to allow the accommodation of student conversations but I just think we should all teach that way. I think that every single classroom should be focused on conversation. So it's absolutely a shift and a commitment. And Natalie specifically, like I know you run your classrooms this way anyway, but for everybody, like if you want to know what your students know, you have to talk to them. And if your classroom isn't conducive for talking to them, then that's the first thing you have to fix. And then you can fix the next thing. So um, I'm having students conference. That's the small answer to that soapbox I just got on. Thanks, Natalie. Chelsea says, hey, Ray, I was wondering how you organize student conferences while virtual. Do you get them set up a time to meet with you uh, during class time? So this is great follow up to Natalie's uh, question. So for my conferencing, I'm having students that are in the class join the Google Meet. So for example, I have a Google Meet open. I have anywhere from like 20 to 30 students on the roster for that class hour. So I have like six classes, right? So it's like 30-ish, somewhere between 20 and 30 students at one time as possible. So um, I'm just having them like pop onto the Google Meet when they're ready. And we're using the tracking page to figure out what they need. So when I say we, I'm talking about my student teacher. She's been killing this so far, by the way. And she is brand new to the profession. If she can do this, she's been so successful. I promise you, you can do this. Um, she's having students pop on. And either by looking at the tracking page or sometimes they just comment in the chat being like, I need a conference on 1D. And we just pull groups. So if I have Danielle, Natalie, and Chelsea here, and Danielle's to conference on 1C, and Natalie and Chelsea need a conference on 1D, well, C comes first and then D, I might keep Natalie and Chelsea on the Google Meet and just to have a conversation. And we conference with Danielle all together. And then when I really believe that Danielle knows what she's doing, I'm gonna say, Danielle, good, you're good to go, move on. Natalie and Chelsea, let's continue this conference and add in that next layer of what you learned in 1D. Um, the other option is if Candace jumps in and Candace is way far ahead, I go to Candace and I'm like, hey girl, set a 15 minute timer, pop, pop back in here in 15 minutes. So for the next 15 minutes, go work on your checklist, go work on enrichment, go take a brain break. In 15 minutes, I want you back here and I wanna meet with you. 
So a lot of that is in the moment. If you're not somebody comfortable with that, you absolutely can have them sign up for time slots. But there are hurdles with time slots that come with that as well. So I'm running my Google Meets more similar to how I would run my classroom anyway. Pre-COVID, I had 20 to 30 students all in my classroom buzzing around like bees. And I'd pull a group and a student would come up and say, hey, Miss Stewart, I need a conference on something. I'd be like, great, I'll get you in 10 minutes. Go set a 10-minute timer and I'll work with you in a bit. And then I'd pull this group and we'd all talk and have a conversation. And it's very informal. It's all focused on asking each other questions and debating things and like being able to think through the problem. So I'm trying to model that same thing in my Google Meets. Hopefully that helps. Um, Candace says maybe the meat of the lesson. I love that. Uh, high stakes learning. It's like critical content, critical communication. Yes, all this makes sense to me. Uh, Candace says my student teacher and I used to climb uh, the top game for the first time and Nearpod cracked up laughing the whole time. The kids enjoyed our laughter too. Didn't know what to expect. I love that. Oh my gosh, so fun. Uh, Nikki is confirming you can write on PDF. So that's super helpful. Nikki, I wish I knew that. Like, I don't know three months ago. So thanks for that tip. Life changing for me. I will be doing my stuff differently now that I know that. Um, Natalie says you can also take screenshots and upload them in Notability can annotate over them. I couldn't figure that out. Oh, Natalie. I like hope you're wrong because I truly tried it. But if you're telling me you can, that, ugh. Guys, I really just should have had a session where you guys taught me about some of the technology I was playing with. Uh, Andrea, it's so good to see you. Danielle says, uh, I'm right there with you on the soapbox of giving all students access to content at all times. Most of my high school students need to work in the middle of the night and avoid challenges at home. Yeah, I know that can be so, so tricky. Uh, Ray, you're wearing white and not black. <laughs> okay, Andrea, I bought this this weekend. This is my uh, new shirt from The Loft. For those of you who don't know, I love The Loft. But yes, I literally wear black long sleeve sweaters for a living. So enjoy the white. I was worried I was going to blend into this, though. So I don't know. I'm glad you can see me. Otherwise, I'm like a floating head. Wouldn't that be funny? Like, ooh. All right. I'm done embarrassing myself on camera. Uh, Rachel, I started the grid method for the first time in April. Yeah, so Livia is affirming. Rachel uh, had posted a comment saying, hey, can I start the grid method uh, You know, at the middle of the year? Livia saying that uh, she's done it. Looks like Natalie is also saying that that's been something that they've experienced as well. Uh, looks like Chelsea too. And these are like grid method pros. So if they've done it. You know it's not only possible, Rachel, but more so you know that these are people you can go to, like write these names down. Like I would love for you to call me, of course, but like Chelsea, Natalie, Livia, Andrea, like these are educators that are so stinking top notch in the Teach Better family, like ambassadors and like everything in between. These are like our family members right here. So I'm just telling you that write these names down, try it in your classroom and then Let's all get on a Zoom call and reflect on how it's going or whatever, because it's so awesome. Um, so interesting, that's part I'm missing right now with virtual learning. How can you conference with during class? So I did go over that, Andrea. Let me know if, wait, no. How are you conferencing with them during class? The same way, Andrea. I'm having them log on to a Google Meet, and we're going to conference in a Google Meet. Tell me what questions you have with that, because that's super important. That's what I think I'm doing. So let me know. Uh, am I wrong to want students to submit their work on time or just a product of my completion folder, uh, pseudo grid? I have full remote students and I get assignments late at night or later in the week. Um, I don't think you're wrong to want students to submit their work on time. I don't think that that's, I don't think that's the right phrasing. I'm, I'm going to kind of go backwards in my answer here. So I apologize. It's not wrong to want your students to turn in their assignments on time. It's not wrong that you want them to see that like time management is important and organization is important. That's not wrong. Wrong is not the right word. What I would say is that with that, you might be like digging your feet in the sand when you don't need to. So. In my mind, it's really about picking your battles. And I don't know that this is the right way to go, so I apologize. You know these questions come in like off the cuff and it's just the first thing that pops into your mind, but wrong is definitely not the right term in my mind. 
But like, I feel like every moment, especially during COVID is picking your battles. And I actually felt that way about the classroom before, but I really feel that way about COVID now in the classroom because there are things that I can be so stuck on and dig my heels in for. And that's me choosing to pick up, like pick that battle, pick that fight. So um, like, I don't know who posted this. I'm sorry, I'm like talking to you in generality, but like earlier this year, uh, I had like some major like health stuff going on. And so I felt like my mind was like totally other places. And to be honest with you, I went live during that time. I like completed my job during those times. But but truly, like I knew I talk a lot about like the idea of today's best. I knew my best in those moments was like half of what I would normally give all of you and my students and everyone in between. And so like, I, I I think the problem with wanting things turned in on time, right? The problem with like wanting all these things is like, that's fine. But when there's things going on that you as a teacher don't know about in your students' lives, is that a battle worth picking? So like, for example, I had some health stuff going on and uh, I was kind of late on two projects I was working on that affected the Teach Better team. And I had a teacher schedule a meeting with me, like a phone call, and I had to cancel on the teacher because I was just not in the right headspace to be able to have a coaching conversation. She wanted to like talk about the grid. And um, so I had to cancel. And I received like this scathing email, like, oh my gosh, like you say you're so accessible. Why are you not available? Like you always preach to people to call you and email you and text you and look, I set up a time and you're not available. And like, don't get me wrong. like the person was right. I do preach that and I wasn't available and that's really hard, but like, that's a teacher. That's somebody choosing to be like, I'm digging my heels in. This was not appropriate. And the reality is had that person known what I may have been going through, they may not have like chosen to pick that battle. They may have chosen to be like, Oh, you like have stuff going on, like real stuff. I get it. Can we schedule another time when you're feeling better? Right? So like, I think the problem is, is like my role in this example, which I know is very convoluted, my role in this example is your students. So you can say that the assignment has to be done at four o'clock and they have to get it done. And that's a, that's a battle you're going to pick. Just know that you are alienating some of your students who can't get on the Wi-Fi, even though they're going to try for two hours to log on because everybody in their house is, is logged on or... I had a student this year already, we, we've had like trauma happen this year where like a student was home alone and in charge of their children, uh, their siblings, or the student has um, a parent who got arrested and they didn't sleep last night. And so now they're choosing to sleep during your class. And so yes, teaching students responsibility is essential. We are teaching the whole child. I'm not just a math teacher. Like I can, I can emphasize to my students the value of being on time and punctual. I can, I can instill organizational structures to support my students. And that's important for you to do. But, but there also has to be some like human element in it as well. And I think that's really what comes down to this comment when you're saying like, is it wrong that I'm frustrated that work's turned in late? Is it wrong that I'm getting these assignments late at night and it, and it annoys me? It's not wrong, but I would wonder if the kid's turning in his assignment at 1130 at night or 2 a.m., is it your life that might be a little off the rails or maybe that student who's choosing to work on your assignment at 2 a.m.? Because while they could have chosen not to do it at all, they're choosing to do it at 2 a.m., so I think it has more to do with what the what the issue what the issue is for you as the teacher and what battle you want to fight. So for example, just to add on to this and then we can move off this topic. I'm sorry I got in a soapbox. But for an example, it would bother me. It could bother me that a student's turning in an assignment at 2 a.m. because I dedicated time from five in the afternoon to seven in the afternoon after a super long work day to sit down with a glass of wine and provide my students feedback. And I wanted them to be able to have that feedback so they could be really successful the following day in class. But the kid that turned in something at 2 a.m., ugh, I didn't get to give them feedback. Or I have to wake up early and do it. So that's frustrating, 100%. 
and you're doing it with the right intention saying, wait, I'm do I'm wanting to put in structure so I can continue to educate them well, right? Um, but rather than to say that it's wrong, it's not wrong, but now we need to have a conversation with that student to say, is it possible for you to turn it in? And you just goofed off. And you know, next time we can try and get in around the right time. Um, or is it not? And then how can I adjust what my plans were to still support everyone involved in this learning experience? Because sometimes you can still pick a fight, but sometimes in a situation that's this big, you can find the thing that you actually care about, which is providing that feedback. And it's only like this big of a hurdle and we can manage that. But if we're gonna demand all these things and we're really only demanding all these things for this one sliver of reason, then it's kind of like, oh, let's dig a little deeper. Let's talk to the kid, let's figure things out. So I'm sorry I got in a soapbox. I don't know if that's what you were actually asking, but that would be my mindset, maybe. <laughs> all right, we've been live for 55 minutes. I am totally getting off this video call very soon. So I'm gonna say video called you like that because I'm so used to Zoom calls. We're streaming live on Facebook, Twitter, and uh, YouTube. So if you uh, want to post a comment, please do so. There are still some I haven't gotten to, which I'm gonna get to, but I'm giving my last call right now because I know it's getting late and we all have school tomorrow. And I have school with my first time meeting students. Oh, so exciting. All right. Um, oh, Nikki confirming about annotating and notability. Nikki and Natalie. I'm just frustrated with you that you couldn't read my mind and tell me that three months ago. That's all I'm saying. Candace saying, um, <laughs> some of my high school students are not using the tracker. I try bringing it up every day. I tell them the importance, but I still have many that are refusing. I've even hyperlinked my lesson so they don't need to search at any suggestions. Yes, Candace, this has to do, again, kind of with the last comment, um, with like fighting battles, right? Is the tracker something worth fighting? For me, it is. So here's what I've done. Um, I have it in my grid. I'm sure Candace, you do all this. So I'm just going through like general things for people who may not have watched a lot of this content that we've been working on. Uh, in my grid, I have to update the tracker information and then update the tracker. So like it is all over my grid everywhere for the tracker. I also have put it in my students checklist. So every single day, my students have a checklist. Essentially the checklist is log on to Google meet to set the tone for the day work on the grid, do seesaw. It's like, the, right, it's not really a checklist because it's the same checklist almost every day, except now I've been adding in update tracking page, seesaw update tracking page. So like I've been putting that into my checklist. I also um, am pretty like transparent on my Google Meet calls where a student pops on. I'll go through the tracker and set and read like 15 names of students. And if I, if I say your name, I want you to stay on the video call. If I don't say your name, you can go and you can go work unless you need something from me. And then I go to those 15 kids and I'm like, hey, Candace, I see that your tracking page is updated. Just give me two minutes. I'm update it live for you right here. How can I help you? So even though it's more um, holding their hand because I'm doing it right then and there, um, the tracking page is absolutely something that's important enough to me that it's updated, that I'm going to take a few minutes before they go work on their checklist for me to be like, Candace, you're blue on 1C, but you're blue on 1C yesterday. Did you end up finishing that? Or can I turn that green for you and we can turn 1D blue? Are you still moving forward or things like that? So uh, feel free to continue to make it that structure as well. Um, I don't know if you've done that yet, but that might also be something to consider. Oh man, I totally lost my spot in the comments. This is my least favorite part. All right, another comment says, I have students in person and virtually every day, not separate cohorts. I am feeling like I'm focusing more on the in-person students because they're with me and somewhat neglecting my virtual students. Very common problem. Should I have an in-person, should I have an in-person log in, log on to meet with virtually focus on one or instruct work with them separately? Okay, so a few things here. Uh, we've talked a little about this where like you could have every student log on to the meet and then that way, when there are interactions and comments, whether they're in classroom or not, like you can manage everybody because they're all in that Google Meet or Zoom call. The other thing you could consider is I have a really, really wonderful friend who I, I doubt is on here right now, but her name's Katie Miglin, great educator in the building that I work in as well. And I feel like I steal ideas from her all the time because she's so stinking smart. And one of the jobs that she's putting in place for COVID for her remote learners is to have students that are in charge of the comments and needs of virtual learners. So for example, if you can like, 
I know you haven't been in my classroom. You can picture a classroom. If I have students physically sitting in the seat and then I have my computer with the Google Meet and then I have remote students on the Google Meet and then the students sitting in the seats in my classroom also on the Google Meet, I'm gonna do my best that I'm like talking to the camera and I'm talking to my learners in front of me, but I may not be able to monitor the, the comments as much or um, things like that. So to have somebody in charge of that to say, Hey, Miss Hewart, like right in front of you. Hey, Miss Hewart, Aubrey on the video call has commented, can you make sure we look at that next as a job that they have is super helpful. Uh, you could also have them like have a whiteboard and like hold up like, you know, like a sign that says like important comment to get to soon. Like, you know, little things like that where they're communicating with you. It, any jobs that you can have in the classroom, obviously students do very well with. So that's something to consider. The other thing is that because of feeling like I was going to have this problem where I was going to focus on the in-person and then neglect my remote students, I am still keeping all the remote policies in place. So I'm not conferencing in person because if I conference in person, then my remote students won't have as easy of a space to conference in. So I'm still conferencing remote even though they're in the room. So some of those things could be worth considering as well because you really want to bring everyone into the conversation. Um, all right, let's keep looking at this. <laughs> Facebook does not like my username, Ask Jeff, but you're right. Thank you for redirecting me on this. Okay, perfect. Um, patience, great, kindness, deep breaths is my mantra. Ain't that the truth this year? Um, I have had so many students and parents thank me for having so much grace on deadlines. I don't care uh, when the learning occurs and I want my students to learn. And, and it doesn't mean Chelsea, like Chelsea's comment's really good. I'm sorry that I'm whizzing through it, but you know, giving grace doesn't mean that you're not holding them accountable. Like I can still go to Chelsea and be like, girl, the assignment was due Tuesday. What's up? What's going on? And Chelsea could be like, I don't know. And it could be organization, disinterest, whatever it is, Chelsea's issue. So what would you do normally for a student who wasn't doing something in the classroom? I'd be like, Chelsea, I want to work with you on this. Let's do it right now. Let's spend five minutes. Let's work on this together. And then I'm, I'm then I might need to go, but like then we'll come back together and we'll see how it's going. So all those same supports that you would give a student still exist now. Uh, you're just giving them grace in different ways, and maybe the timelines are a little longer, and that's okay because how many of us have ever taught or been a learner in a pandemic? Like right now, if you're watching this video, you're learning during a pandemic. It ain't always easy, but still important. Um. Andrea says, I have kids this year updating their tracker, but the actual work isn't done. They're supposed to update it every morning during our bell ringer. I do the same thing. I let them leave Zoom based on their tracking status. So that's super important. So Andrea is bringing up an important part about the tracker. Uh, you need to design a grid where you put enough supports in place that they can only mark done. Okay, how should I phrase this? Like, like my students can only get so far faking it. Like my students can might be able to get through like one idea and fake it and I won't know. But then the next time they're doing something, I have to check in with them and I'm gonna ask them about that last assignment. So a lot of the grid, the accountability, like they might be marking it that it's done, but you as the teacher need to put supports in place for you to confirm it's done. So like I literally have like a paper, and, and a digital uh, option where I'm like checking off. Have I conference with students on certain things? Have they turned in certain things? I'm tracking that separate from the tracker. So that way, if they say it's done, I'm looking at my sheet and I'm like, Andrea, that's not done. I have it right here, it's not done. Are you ready to conference on it now? Because then it can be done. But little things like that, like you have to have your own system too, especially as they're getting, cause they're just, they're pushing, they're like pushing the boundaries, right? They're figuring out like, where the wiggle room is. We've all done it as learners, it makes sense. Um, all right, Livia, yes, this was a super fast hour. Uh, thank you to all of you who uh, were here with us. Um, thank you so much for the excitement for tomorrow. I'm very, very excited to see my students tomorrow in person. Uh, it will be different and it will just, we're gonna make it work. It's very exciting. Um, thank you to all of you that were popping on and asking questions. And I really uh, appreciate all of you that were um, sharing ideas because uh, this is what makes this group so so powerful. So again, if you were just popping in now, we've been live for an entire hour plus. We stream this video uh, two places in Facebook, including our private Facebook group, which is a great place to join if you're not already there, teachbettergroup.com. 
uh, or just type in like Teach Better Team and you'll find it. We're also streaming this on the Teach Better Team YouTube channel. Make sure you go subscribe there. And we streamed on Twitter. I did not mention literally two things that I have to mention. One is a spoiler and one ends this week. So I want to make sure you know this first. Teach Better Team literally survives by doing professional development for districts. That's like what we actually do when like our real job. So if you uh, are somebody who like ever wants someone from the Teach Better team to come to your building and hang out and do professional development, we're doing a free PD giveaway right now. So you can apply for that at teachbetter.com slash free PD 2020. Free PD 2020. It closes Wednesday. Super easy to apply. You pick the topic. Um, a member of the Teach Better team comes and schedules it. And literally, it's free. We pay for all the travel, everything. Um, but it's a really great way. I always love it because then we get to travel to new schools that we haven't worked with before. Um, and we just get to meet new educators. And I think the coolest part is that usually we end up visiting a school that has like Teach Better family members, right? Because like, if you're listening right now, you're part of the Teach Better family. It'd be cool to meet either in person or via a Zoom call. I know th most things are virtual right now, but we are doing some traveling for our professional development right now, depending on the school district. So keep that in mind. Go apply teachbetter.com slash free PD 2020. Second thing I want you to know, spoiler alert, there is a connected coaching series that launches tomorrow. And we are going to be doing so much promotion for this, but essentially you are going to be able to sign up to be doing things like this, like we just did in a more formal setting with a smaller tight-knit group, whether it's a uh, advisory group or a cohort or one-on-one -on -one coaching. We are so excited to launch this. This has been like literally six months in the works. Uh, and I'm really excited that launches tomorrow. So keep an eye out for the Teach Better Connected Coaching. Uh, you'll be able to see all those details and you can see it early tonight if you want to at teachbetter.com slash coaching. Details are there. You can watch the videos all about it, read all the information. Um, technically it launches tomorrow, but whatever. It's eight o'clock central, nine o'clock Eastern right now. So we'll just spoil it. It's fine. Um, but keep an eye out because there will be a lot of lives and conversation and uh, Q and A's that we're doing about it. Cause that will be something that will launch uh, later in October and later in November for a few of our groups. So I appreciate all of you and I hope you choose to participate because it's such a fun time. All right. Uh, love you all. Hope you have a wonderful, wonderful Saturday and we will see you very soon. Bye guys.